0: Welcome to Keep the Game Beautiful Podcast. Each week, I highlight incredible people who are doing amazing things in soccer, the beautiful game. I'm Anna Turi, your host. Thank you for listening. Today, I talk to Addie Gay. I'm very excited for this episode because I talked to Tiffany Weimar a while back, and some of you may know, Tiffany and Addie are the two founders of Duke Tig. I'm very fortunate because they have both supported me since the beginning. I encourage you to give them support back at their Duke Tig brand because they just released a new product, The Standard. It's a great product with a soft cover, easy to put in bags, and take notes for any game you watch. Thank you, Addie, for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. I know you have a busy schedule, and it was a lot of fun talking. I'm joined today by professional goalkeeper Addie Gay. I'm recording this interview just two weeks after she joined her team on the pitch to celebrate the North Carolina Courage winning the NWSL Championship. For the second year in a row she also just got back from her ussfc license and also celebrated her birthday a few days ago lifting the trophy with the nc courage wasn't her first championship she was part of the university of north carolina championship team after coming to the school as a walk-on having left yale university she also played in iceland winning a championship sweden and for the nwsl portland thorns Washington Spirit, and Seattle Reign FC. Addie and Tiffany Weimer together co-founded Duke TIG Brand and strive to create tools for coaching and players alike to succeed. She is so passionate about the sport and she always offers tips or suggestions when I've reached out for help. She coaches goalkeepers both in North Carolina during the season and in her home state of New Jersey. You may have also seen her in Soccer.com advertising for our magazines. Addie, would you like to share a bit more about your soccer story and anything I missed in the introduction?
1: Wow, I mean, that was a great introduction. Thank you so much. I think you covered pretty much all of it. Um, I've played in a bunch of countries. I've played at two colleges, and um, I'm just really excited to be here.
0: This podcast is Keep the Game Beautiful. Each week, I start with the same few questions. So first, what does a beautiful game mean to you? Oh,
1: that's a good question. I think the beautiful game is just being able to play. I think uh, a lot of times we complicate the game um, and we make it into kind of a controversial word. We turn it into a job, um, which it is for some of us. Um, But I think the beautiful game is just playing at all ages, all levels and enjoying it, I guess.
0: What are actions or things you do to keep the game beautiful?
1: I think actions to keep the game beautiful. I think kind of remembering why you play is is a a good thing to come back to, um, especially when it gets stressful or especially when you're overwhelmed, either as a coach or a player, I think is really important. I always say that, like, no matter how... How do you encourage others to keep the game beautiful? I think at least when I'm coaching... Um, I really try to help players focus on not only what they can do to improve, but what they can do to have more success and enjoy the game more because my mom is actually a ballroom dance teacher and she always says people like people don't enjoy what they're doing unless they feel like they're getting better. And so I think to me, that's something I've, I've always felt to be true is if you're learning something and you're engaged in that process you're going to enjoy what you're doing so much more than if you're, you know, kind of just winging
0: it. (laughs) Okay, so let's start off by talking about the NC Courage and your season this year. Was there a moment either in this season or in the championship match that you realized the team would indeed win the championship? (laughs) Um, it was interesting because I think people asked me leading up to the
1: game, obviously, do you think you'll win in the final? And I think the whole season, you kind of, you kind of got this sense that the group was special um, and that the environment is special, getting better every single game and every single performance kind of leads you to a point where it's like, okay, if if we play the way that we're capable of playing, we're going to be successful. But at the same time, uh, you know, anything can happen in one game. And I think, you know, that's, that's why you play the games is that anything can happen. So I think Paul, the coach, is is obviously very focused on the process of getting there, not necessarily, you know, the result. Um, and so I think it wasn't necessarily a focus on winning that one game so much as just improving each game. And you kind of got the sense that it was building towards something. But you just never know what's going to happen in one game.
0: What did it mean to have the championship in North Carolina at the home stadium?
1: Oh, it was so cool. I mean – I'm from Jersey, like you said, and I love New Jersey and there are times when I miss the Northeast, but North Carolina has really been my home since I went to UNC. You know, I've gone and played overseas, but when I come come back, I always come back to North Carolina and I've had some of the best times of my life in North Carolina. And and so I think it obviously meant a lot to the fans of the team and um, to the team as a whole that we could win in North Carolina. Um, But for me personally... Uh, North Carolina means a great deal. So it was obviously really, really awesome.
0: Do you have a favorite moment from that game?
1: From that game? Oh man. I mean, I think, (laughs) oh, it's tough. All the goals were just incredible. I think Um, maybe when we came in at halftime, um, well, I don't know. Paul's speech before the game was pretty incredible. I also thought when we came in at halftime, you know, it was already three, nothing, I think. And and everybody on the team was like, it's not over, you know, let's keep going, you know. And I thought that that kind of showed the mentality of the team better than anything, you know, they just like never let up, (laughs) you know, it it could be, you know, a random practice on a, on a Sunday after a game and they, nobody ever lets up. And I think that um, that kind of showed that intensity.
0: I know I've watched televised matches from that stadium with lower attendance. What did it mean to be there in a fully packed stadium? Oh, it's cool. I think, you know,
1: um, they did a really good job getting people um, in the seats, especially when the weather's not terrible. But you could definitely feel a difference. And I don't know if it's because we were in the locker rooms on the opposite side, but as soon as we ran out onto the field for warm-ups, you could tell there were there were more people there. The energy was higher. And so... Yeah, it definitely felt like a final-type atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Wake Met is a a really great soccer uh, venue. You know, it feels very intimate. Um, Yeah, it's loud, too, when there's people in it. So I think it's a a good environment, for sure.
0: How does the NWSL and U.S. soccer keep the energy from the World Cup year into next season?
1: Hmm. Well, I think, you know – a lot of people would like to know that. I'm not sure I have the answer. I think it'll help with the Olympics, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that these teams now, having been in these communities for seven years now, some of them, five to seven years, um, I think that helps a lot. I think it's hard to grow a fan base. I don't think people necessarily just show up right away, maybe in some some locations, but I think this year at least our team after games when you're signing autographs and stuff and talking to people I heard a ton of people say this is my first game this is my first game and every time I would say are you coming back and they would all say yes which you know may not be true but um you know at least we've gotten more people into the stadium put on a good show and hopefully you know they they will come back again I think that's really important you know get them there the first time and then try to keep them coming back you know
0: do we often see the same fans occurring over and over again? Uh, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I think there's definitely a bunch of them that are really loyal that I see in the stands all the time that come to the season ticket holder events, and I think that's really cool. And, you know, what's awesome also about being in North Carolina is, you know, I see a lot of fans who are wearing their Carolina gear and they're like, I watched you in college. And so I think that that's cool that there's an overlap as well.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you decide to play goalkeeper, and what do you like about the position? I think the basic answer to that is that my, my dad played goalkeeper in college. And so when I
1: was playing on my first U8 team, I would, I would play in goal, and another girl would play in goal. And I just really enjoyed it. And I think the other girl didn't really want to play. And to me, I'm not sure what attracted me to the position that much. I think – I think <laughs> – it definitely does fit my personality and I'm not sure if that's like a chicken or an egg type thing, but you kind of have to be a, a perfectionist and a little nuts and, you know, like getting hit with the ball. So I don't know, it just suited me and, and I started playing it more and more. And uh, yeah, if I would known I, I wasn't going to be very tall, I don't know if I would have made a different decision, but um, I've loved every minute of, minute of it, so.
0: What is your favorite part about playing the position? my favorite part about playing goalkeeper
1: i think is the organization and decision making aspects i think you can make your job so much easier by the way that you communicate with the people around you i've always been you know a team player and so i really enjoy the the concept of you know us all working together towards this common goal of not letting the ball in the goal and It's kind of like this puzzle, you know. How do you fix what's coming at you? And so I really appreciate that kind of problem-solving aspect of goalkeeping um, the most.
0: Who are some of the players or coaches that inspire you? Oh man,
1: players and coaches. I mean, I've been really unbelievably lucky in the the coaches that I've gotten to play for. Um, My club coach was just fantastic in the way he was able to read the game and the way he taught us how to play the game. Um, I really learned so many fundamentals from him. I also, our family was a host family to a professional goalkeeper when I was, was growing up. And I think that that made a huge difference in my life. Um, obviously playing at UNC for Anson and Dukar and Dino and everybody there, I think really made a huge impact on me. Um, not just in terms of how to play the position, but um, in terms of giving me a chance and, and giving confidence. I think one of the toughest in terms of just the, you know, the standard that is set in training, um, there were like a lot of trainings where, you know, it just felt like I was just struggling to, you know, uh, make the saves, you know, and, and I think, Having these players that, like I said, never let up and they just keep trying to score um, really pushed me to be better. And so I think um, a lot of the players on the Courage this year have, and and at UNC, I think a lot of the players there, I mean, there was just this sense of I'm not going to let you off easy. And I really appreciate that in my teammates, you know, um, mm-hmm. you kind of everything goes 100 percent. You don't have to worry about going 100 percent because it's just expected and it, you, everyone gets better. So. Yeah. I have a a lot of people to be grateful for.
0: I know you posted pictures of attending a reception for coach Dorrance this year. What makes him so special as a coach? Oh, he
1: has just so many qualities that you want in a coach. And I've, I've played for so many coaches now it's, and there does seem to be this kind of, um, I won't say formula because I don't think it's an easy thing to balance. Um, you know, he's, he's tough, you know, he like, holds a certain standard. And if you, you know, you don't meet it, you know, he'll be disappointed, or, you know, he'll push you to be better. But at the same time, he's not, um, he's not going to do it for you. So, you know, he kind of will suggest the right decisions over and over again. And he really does try to teach um, in that sense. Um, But he's also very hands off in the sense that it's almost like, like a parent, you know, like I said he'll he'll be disappointed and and you want to do better for him and I think it, it all comes from a place of where he genuinely cares about the players on the team and the people that come through there and wants them to succeed like not just in soccer but in life in whatever they do and I think he's put a lot of effort into having these, you know, values of the, this really great little culture that he's he's created down there and and I don't think you ever stop being a Tarheel, once you've you've left.
0: What does it mean to know that he is always supporting and encouraging his former athlete?
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's um, a powerful guy to have in your corner, and I mean that in the sense of you know if he's fighting for you, it, it really helps you. Um, but also in the sense that you know he generally, like I said, wants you to be successful and cares about you as a person, not just. Whether or not you make the national team or, you know, um, are a fantastic player. So I think that that's really incredible.
0: You wrote on your blog a few years ago, soccer has not always been easy for me. There were days when those breakup songs really spoke to me, but I've always loved it. It's all I ever, I've ever really cared about. I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about some of the challenges you faced, but more importantly, how did you overcome those?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great quote that you pulled because I think the challenges that I've faced primarily were situations where, you know, I didn't make the team or I didn't get to play or um, there are more setbacks in terms of not getting picked, you know, more so than, you know, losing a soccer game because I feel like, you know, we all lose, we all win, or we all lose. And, and you know, we do our best to, to do those things. But I think the, the setbacks that are difficult are the ones that you feel like you don't have total control over. And so I think, for me personally, it's always been been really tough when I've not been able to find a team or when, you know, we've all been through that you, you don't get what you think you deserve, you know, that, that's hard. I, like I said, I've always been a shorter goalkeeper, that's always been something that's come up just time and time and time again. And even though it seems like kind of a small thing um, over time, it definitely wears on you. And I think, like I said, in that quote, I think loving the game is the, the only thing that has pulled me through it. I think when I was probably at my lowest point ever, like I said, I still enjoyed going to practice. And I think if you're playing for something other than just that pure joy of, of enjoying playing, then it's tougher to get through those setbacks, you know? If you you know, have a setback and you still enjoy going to training, life's not that bad, you know. So
0: Yeah. How did your family help you through your setbacks?
1: Um, my family's always been great. I you know, my parents have always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. They're also the kind of people that are, you know, they always Pushed me to do my best and to honor my commitments and be a good person but they also you know let me do what I thought was best you know I think they they would counsel me but you know when I decided I wanted to leave Yale I, I really credit them with the fact that they didn't say no <laughs> you shouldn't do that you know um they've supported me in in whatever it is I think is is right if I you know you know maybe if I decided to do something totally crazy they'd be like I don't think that's a good idea but um for the most part they've just sort of counseled me with really good advice they're very level-headed like kind people and and just let me make my own mistakes or not mistakes <laughs> I think that's really all you can do as a parent
0: now you've mentioned your height a few times already and I know you're very open about your height on social media what are some of the struggles you face as a short goalkeeper
1: um I think there's just a sense if you're short you don't have potential and I think that starts at a pretty young I I genuinely believe that you can you can play the position and you can do just as good a job as as the tall goalkeeper if you're shorter but I think you're always you always run up against this okay you're you're okay at this level but at the next level um and so I think it makes sense. Like if you're a coach, you believe in your ability to coach, you believe that you can fix technique and you can fix physical ability and you can fix, you know, you can make a player smarter. You can make a player faster. You can make a player, you know, if you're a coach, you believe in those abilities. You don't believe in your ability to make someone taller. So I think to me it's always just been a, a bias in the development process. Cause I think especially nowadays when everybody's focused on development more so than the outcome, and which I completely believe in, I think there is a little bit of a tendency to look away from someone who has a, a deficiency such as height. So I actually feel like I was kind of lucky to, to play for a coach growing up who wanted to win soccer games because that's why I got to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he had been looking for the next Hope Solo, it, would, it wouldn't have been me because I'm just not tall enough, if that makes sense.
0: Now, like you've said, the coaches often look at physical traits when they think about playing time. Sometimes it could be a goalkeeper that is too small, or it could be someone thinking a player is too tall to dribble or turn effectively, or even too large or skinny for a role. I know people my age can deal with confidence and body image issues. What should a coach or players think about when discussing topics like this? Yeah, I think it's that is
1: tough, and I can understand how it's like um, a tricky issue. I think I've always appreciated coaches more who said it outright to me um because I think at least then you're having an honest conversation um as opposed to kind of dancing around it I'm not sure if that's the same about all body image issues but I think like the more honest you can be like with your coaches and they can be with you the better in the long run but I also think you're right it's not Sometimes, and I understand this from the other side, which is why I don't necessarily say coaches are terrible because you know they they think goalkeepers are too short. I see it mm-hmm. from the other side. If you're when you're a coach, you look at a, a player and you're like, oh, I could make this player into this, you know, if if only I could fix this, you know, and and sometimes we project what we want to see on a player as opposed to like what they really are, um, either positively or negatively. So I think. It's important to have honest conversations, but I think it's also important maybe not to, you know, force a player into a role because she's tall or because she's slow or whatever.
0: What do you share with players, especially youth, who may be challenged by competitiveness or playing time as a goalkeeper?
1: I feel like goalkeeper as a position um, is a tough one because it is – success and failure is pretty straightforward in that, you know, if you get scored on that's quote unquote failure. Um, And if you don't, that's quote unquote success. And so I think that's tough. And I think it's especially tough if you don't want that kind of pressure. (laughs) Um, So I think for a goalkeeper, it's, it's, it's really hard. And I think there are ways to cope with it. Maybe it's a little bit different for other positions. I haven't played other positions since I was very young but I think the markers for success are maybe a little less defined um, at different positions. Goalkeepers is just very, very black and white.
0: How important is the relationship between the starting goalkeeper and the other goalkeepers and coaching staff?
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's really important, especially when you get to a higher level where that's who you spend most of your time with. <laughs> it is very much like playing a different sport than everybody else. And I think it's really important that you get along with your teammates, but there are some things that only the other goalkeepers are going to be able to, to understand. And I think having a good supportive relationship between all of the goalkeepers is just, it's really important. It's really important to have a, a good relationship between your bench and your starters as well. Um, but it's even more so, I think, when it's such a small group. If your backup goalkeeper really resents the starter – every training session is gonna be a tension convention and it just ruins the day-to-day. So I think it's really important that everybody gets along and that the coach gets along with all of the goalkeepers and and vice versa.
0: How do you encourage youth to build this relationship? Actually,
1: I actually think it might be easier. I, I don't I don't really know, but it might be easier in the youth game in that on a lot of teams, everybody plays. I think it's really hard when you're in a situation where two goalkeepers have very similar ability and one is playing the whole game and the other one's not because I think it's there's the, the differences are so small at the highest level that, um, it, and it's, it's a very winner take all position. You know, if you're a midfielder, you might get 20 minutes a game. Uh, they don't do that with goalkeepers. So either they're splitting time or, you know, someone gets no play at all. Um, and so I think, I think it's tough. I think um, when I played in Sweden, one of the, the best things is that if you don't play with the first team, you can play with the, with the second team under 19s um, like the next day. So that no matter what, you're playing games. But as for the system here, I mean, that would, that, something like that would be ideal. So regardless, everyone's, you know, playing a game each week.
0: Did you find that you preferred playing Sweden over in the States, or did you did you have a certain preference? Um, I really enjoyed. I have to say, I've been
1: very lucky. I've I've really enjoyed pretty much every place I've played. I think every everywhere is difficult for its own reasons. You know, there's always something that, you know, you wish were a little bit different. It's pretty rare that you get to play at the highest level in your hometown and be on the field playing. Usually, you know, it's you're halfway around the world and you're away from your family or or you're sitting on the bench or you're not getting paid or anything that you wish was a little bit different. But for me, um, Sweden was fantastic. I really loved the people on my team and in the town that I lived in we were successful, which is great. And um, I think, and I got to play. And so I really felt like I was contributing in that sense. So um, I loved my time in Sweden, but it's just a trade off, you know, a lot of times. So I wouldn't say I I liked one more than the other. I think I just got different things from, from playing in different places.
0: You just completed your C license course. What did it mean to you to be in a class with former teammates, friends, and other professional soccer athletes? Well, we had a good time. It was fun.
1: Uh, You know, I've played with most of them, either in college or on one of the teams I've been on, or I just know of them from someone. I feel like the women's pro soccer community is pretty small. So, you know, either you know someone or you know someone who knows someone. So it was really fun in the sense that We knew each other already. Um, The instructors were great, so it was just, it was like a good learning environment. I still have to do the second portion of it, so it was a great first week.
0: I attended a coaching class this summer, and I was really surprised at how few women were in attendance. How important is it that we create opportunities for women to become coaches?
1: I think it's, it's hugely important. I think it's kind of shocking how few coaching staffs of women on staff. Um, but I also think, you know, it's important not only to give them opportunities, but to really create an environment that makes women want to become coaches. Because I think so few young women nowadays really think of it as a viable career Option, and so I think in some ways we have to take some of that on ourselves and um, ask ourselves, you know, why don't women want to become coaches, or how can we make them want to become coaches and invest in in getting these licenses and and um, staying in the game once they you know graduate college or retire from pro? Um, Because I think that's that's a big problem, even more so than lack of opportunity.
0: Did you find that the course had much about goalkeeper training or at least how to coach goalkeepers within a team training environment? I will give them credit in, this, in the sense that they, you know, the goalkeepers
1: were part of, you know, all the sessions we ran, but it was very team-centric. And I think that's what the, the license is for, um, is for coaching, uh, you know, a full team all at once. I wouldn't say there was much about, about the goalkeepers.
0: I know United Soccer Coaches has goalkeeper training. There are some great podcasts like Six Yard Box and the Keeper Institute. How else can people develop to better coach the position? I think
1: those are all great things. I think watching other coaches coach. Um, I learned a ton from our goalkeeper coach at The Courage this year, Nathan. And I think this move towards making the, the movements in goalkeeper training very realistic to the game and having them all be in the goal or goal area is um, is really important. So I think, honestly, just yeah, you know, watching other goalkeeper trainers. I know Jill Loyden, the Keeper Institute. You know, they do such a great job coming up with new ways to teach um, certain techniques. Um, I think they're great ones to learn from. Um, and I also just think the game itself. Um, if you're coaching a goalkeeper. You should be able to, in every drill that you do, um, think of an exact moment in a game when that's happened, you know? Uh, There are certain movements that happen all the time in a game, um, certain decisions that goalkeepers have to make all the time in a game, Um, and I think sometimes with goalkeeper training, everything becomes very um, technique-focused, or which is great. You need to be able to do technique in isolation, but I think making sure that everything has some relationship with how it will be used in the game.
0: I want to spend a bit of time talking about Duke TIG Brand. Tiff shared a bit with me about when the two of you started to brainstorm the idea after you realized you each had a similar need. When you started Duke TIG Brand, did you imagine that it would be as appreciated by others, or was it really just looking to address your own needs? Um, I think it
1: was probably a little bit of both.
0: I think we hoped other people would have the same
1: issue and need, but I also don't think that we ever would have imagined um, that it would have caught on the way that it has. I think we were looking to address a specific need and I think we have in the process stumbled on other needs. And so, yeah, I think it was just a, a little bit of both definitely looking to address our own, but we also definitely hoped that other people would have the same need and we did, plan everything with that in mind um, hoping that it would grow
0: have there been any products that you started to design and then scrapped
1: oh gosh so many um, I think our biggest uh, struggle has been with creating things that are that are useful but that aren't overly um, detailed so you know we've had a lot of people that are like we want you know three boxes and we want a space to write in this and a space to write in that and can you make it this and that? And I think really early on when we started asking people what they would want in a notebook, we realized we weren't going to be able to have all of those things in one book. We kind of, we were like, okay, well, we're going to have to, you know, pare it down to the bare minimum. And then maybe we can add some other products that are more specific. And I think that's our struggle all the time. You know, we want to create a scouting notebook, but what do we, what can we put in it that we know every single person is going to need um, and that it's not, not like we're telling people how to coach or like we're telling them how to to do these things we more want to just encourage people to figure that stuff out for themselves and so I think it it's tough there's definitely a few a few things that Tiff has been pushing for especially recently that I think will be cool but I don't think we necessarily ever really scrap stuff. We just kind of put it on the back burner and then sometimes it comes back and sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, there's definitely been a ton of products that we've researched, looked into, and may make at some point in the future.
0: How long does it normally take you to make a product?
1: That's an interesting question. I think the design process, if we can, if we can do that quickly and get it into production, I would maybe say the shortest would be a couple of months. We tend to kind of pull the trigger quickly, but usually we've been thinking about it for a while and, you know, drawing up drafts and stuff. So I would say about two months, but it really depends on the complexity. So, you know, the the trainer is much more complex than, you know, say the XL in terms of the features that it has. So yeah, like, especially on the first couple of products, we needed to get samples. Of the materials to make sure we liked them, so yeah, I would say two months would be the shortest probably.
0: When you're getting close to releasing a product, it must be really exciting. Is it tougher <laughs> to keep the secret until it's time to launch it?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And I would say on like ninety-five percent of the products, we we release them earlier than we thought we would <laughs> because we just get too excited, and you know, usually. We try, or at least I should say, I try to, to, you know, make us have a plan and say, okay, we're going to release this on this day. Um, and Tiff's usually like, let's just do it today. We could just do it today. Why not? Like, you know, and uh, yeah, we, end, we always end up doing it on sort of a random day. We, we don't usually have that great of a schedule. <laughs> but
0: At United Soccer Coaches Convention last year, there were a few companies by NWSL Players, in addition to Duke Tick brand, I think of footy board and technique football. How important do you think it is for a woman to be creating and designing tools to help grow the sport?
1: Oh, it's so cool. It's so awesome. And, you know, it's great to be able to talk to them um, about their companies because you all have the same issues and the same problems. And um, I think especially in soccer there are so many needs there are so many coaches need so much stuff players need so much stuff that there really are so many potential companies out there um that are just being like you know waiting for someone to to create them and to fill fill that gap and so I think it's a great great community to be a part of it's a great space to step into and yeah I think it's another great way for women to stay involved in the game um once they they retire because like I said, I think there's just a lot of women who they go on to a completely different life once they've um, they've retired. And I think that's kind of sad. You know, you'd love to see more of them st- stick around soccer in some capacity. You know,
0: I know your family is a big supporter of you, your dad being very active on social media and showing how proud he is of everything you are doing as a player and with Duke Tick. Could you share with me how important this has been during your career?
1: Uh, yeah, I know I always joke with him that he is better on social media than I am because especially Facebook, he's like always wishing everybody a happy birthday on Facebook and, and I never go on there. So yeah, he's awesome. I always say, you know, my my dad's nicer than I am and my mom's cooler than I am. So it's been awesome to have him just get to, you know, experience everything kind of along the way. You know, he's been it, you know, as many of, of my games as he possibly could be in at throughout my career. Um, and, you know, he hates flying, but he came to Sweden, he came to Iceland and it's just been really cool to, to share it with both of them. Um, I think it's kind of adds meaning to it, um, to be able to share with the people that, that he loves. So he's been, like I said, they've both been just incredible in terms of being supportive, but not overbearing and, Um, just enjoying the the high moments and being there for the low moments. And I'm really very lucky.
0: Now time for the last question, one I always end with. What do you hope people remember about your impact to soccer and the world? Ooh, ending with a big one. Um,
1: I mean, I I always say, like, when people ask, like, what, you know – what's the greatest compliment you could be paid at or you know, paid as, as a player. And I think, I always say like, she's a good teammate. Um, And I think that's probably what I would, I would like to be remembered as is that I helped whatever, I helped people achieve whatever goal we were trying to achieve in whatever capacity I um, possibly could, you know, I, and I think that spans across life. I mean, I would like to be a good teammate, Um, in our company. I want to be a good teammate to my family. Um, I want to be a good teammate to the teams I play for. Um, And so I think that would probably be what I would hope to be remembered for.
0: What a great episode, right? I learned a lot and I know everyone else did too. Again, I encourage you to go check out Duke Tig's new product, The Standard, which could be very helpful to your game. Don't forget, you can also go check out Tiffany's episode where we talk a little bit more about DukeTig if you have any other interests. And until I see you next week, remember to keep the game beautiful.